Get Off the Couch, Episode 7. Hi, I'm Matthew Hinman. In 2013, I lost over 60 pounds cycling and eating better. Unfortunately, I gained back about half that weight in 2014. This podcast is my journey toward losing that weight through cycling, better nutrition, and healthier living. I hope that my journey will inspire you too to get off the couch. Welcome back to another episode of Get Off the Couch. And today I have some interesting things to talk about uh, regarding uh, both my weigh in and my ride stats for this week, and some new uh, talk about food tips, and also a special guest. Uh, later on in the show, uh, a little interview I did uh, with someone here locally in West Texas, and I think you'll you'll really enjoy that. We'll be back with the program right after this. So you're needing that website set up really fast, and you need a good hosting company. Well, let me tell you about DreamHost. For just $8.95 a month, you can host any size website with options like WordPress and e-commerce with just a click of the mouse. And when you use promo code GOTC, you'll get a free domain registration. So if you haven't bought that domain yet, you can get it included with your hosting at DreamHost. They have web hosting made easy. So head over to DreamHost.com and use promo code GOTC. Okay, so what if you feel that you have a setback in your weight loss? Now, I'm not talking about huge setbacks, but maybe maybe little ones. Uh, maybe you realize that in the past week, you may be that you gained a little bit rather than losing. Now, re- if you recall last episode, one of the things I talked about was leveling off or plateauing in your weight loss. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because it could be that you're gaining muscle mass uh, at a rate uh, that is uh, a little bit of a weight gain as opposed to the amount of fat that you're losing. Because we talk, as we talked about, muscle, you know, volume per volume weighs more than fat does. So here, I'm going to go ahead and share my weigh-in right off the bat with you. This week, uh, this morning, I weighed in at 233 pounds which is about almost two pounds more than it was over my last weigh-in. Now, despite that, my pants are fitting looser, my shirts are fitting looser. Does that mean that that's a problem, that I've gained two more pounds? Well, the reality is, more than likely, is that I'm gaining some muscle mass than I'm losing the fat uh, elsewhere. And that's not a big problem. Uh, for one thing, I'll give you my stats uh, for the week uh, in total here. I'll tell you how many uh, miles I've ridden this week. And the total for this week uh, between mountain bike miles, road bike miles, is 42.5 miles this past week, which is uh, a lot more than what I've been doing in past weeks. And of course, as the summer months, progress and and my schedule permits I'm sure that number will climb immensely because 2 years ago I was averaging between 100 and 150 miles a week uh on the road bike 
So we'll see that number improve as we go, especially as the summer months get here. In addition to that, I did an extra 30 minutes on the trainer. So it's highly unlikely that this weight gain uh, is a, a major problem. I mean, it's only a couple of pounds for one. And then with all the exercises that I've been doing, I exercised a total of five days out of the seven days last week that I would, it stands to reason that this is muscle mass gain. Uh, I'm not trying to fool myself. I mean, it could be, it could be fat gain, uh, but it doesn't feel that way uh, to my body. uh, I do have a scale that does tell me my percentages. I haven't really been paying close attention to that. I'm not sure if I even trust uh, the scale. Um, And that's something we can talk about in a future uh, episode in, in one of our gear talks. These scales that you, that have little metal sensors in them. And when you weigh on them, they will also, you know, kind of feel your skin and, and they'll make some estimations as to your, your bone mass, your muscle mass and, and your, and everything else like that. So there, I don't know if I trust them. Um, I don't know how accurate they are talking like a 20 or $30 scale uh, that I, I just don't put a lot of faith in that. Maybe a more expensive scale, I'm, I might feel more comfortable with, with the accuracy. But anyway, that, uh, that's kind of where I am right now. And, and it may seem like I'm pedaling in reverse on that. But I, I'm not too overly concerned about two pounds uh, in the wrong direction. Because I'm very confident at the rate of exercise that I'm doing now that that number will significantly uh, change. So not too overly worried about it. Uh, and if you are experiencing the same thing where you're going in reverse, don't be discouraged by it or disappointed by it because it could be actually a, a good thing um, in your case. Now let's talk about the website of the week. Now, what my website of the week is bicycling.com. And if you haven't heard of bicycling, it's the premier magazine for all types of cyclists. It has a massive amount of resources on their website. Just right off the front page, you can access a beginner's area, a women's area, uh, training and nutrition tips, and so much more. And of course, if you subscribe to the magazine, they have both a digital version and a print version. I think you can nowadays, if you hunt around, you can get the print version for like a dollar an issue. And they produce, I believe, 10 or 11 issues in a calendar year. Uh, one or two of them is a combined issue and I can't remember which months they are, but I want to say the January, February issue is combined, uh, into one issue. So it's, it's 10 or 11 issues a year that you're going to get for about a dollar an issue. Uh, the digital one is also nice as well because there's some interactive features on it. Uh, so I would check that out the, the magazine itself is great, but their website just has a ton of information, especially for beginners. So. So get in on that. I think you'll you'll really enjoy it. Now let's talk about my app of the week. Now my app of the week, uh, I've only tested it out on iOS, but I think they also have it available uh, on Android. It's called Daily Carb. Daily Carb. And the cool thing about this app, it is it is just another food logging app, but it it has it really focuses on the carbohydrate intake. It has a pretty good database built in. Uh, to to find different foods. You can also create custom foods, which is good for those of you who cook from fresh ingredients and are really 
I really advocate that anyway. Uh, it allows you to track glasses of water just with a tap. And typically a glass is considered eight ounces. And so every for every eight ounces you consume, you tap a little icon, it automatically records that you've, you've had eight ounces of water. The weigh-in for each day is very easy to use. You just simply uh, tap a little scale icon, dial in your weight, and tap done, and you've recorded your weight for the day. So it's it's a really nice, uh, really nice app from that perspective. Now, the, the thing about this in comparison to many of the other apps out there is that some of the features that other apps have, they are in-app purchases in Daily Carb. And that includes things like recording your exercise for the day. Um, they have a section under more called purchase. And under purchase, you have these little 99-cent add-ons you can do, like exercises, glucose and insulin calculator, blood pressure, lipid panel, medications, reminders. And then they have, I think, a package deal where you can get all of them for about $3.99. So it's a free app, but if you want to get some of the benefits, you'll have to pay a couple extra bucks to get all the goodies that go with it. But other than that, it's a nice, easy app to use. For those of you who are tracking by carb, I highly recommend Daily Carb. Now for my gear of the week. And I'm going to talk a little bit about saddlebags. In particular, the brand I like is Topeak, and uh, it's spelled T-O-P-E-A-K. Now, I use the Arrow Wedge, the small version of it on my road bike. I love this little bag. I can pack so much into this little tiny one. Uh, I, I have a multi-tool, two replacement tubes, a CO2 inflator, and two cartridges, and it all fits in that little tiny bag directly underneath the saddle of my bike. And on top of that, it's got this neat little strap on the back of it where I clip my Psygo light, my little red flasher Psygo light on the rear. Uh, so it's a very functional, it's easy to, t to you know, take off the bike if you need to, uh, disconnect it from the seat post. It's just a couple of clips and a Velcro and you're, you're released. It's also easy to open and close uh, to get access to what you need. Uh, for your for your flat kit or if you whatever you plan on carrying in it, I carry my flat kits in it. I think it works well for that. But I think you'll like the Topeka Arrow Wedge. It's a it's a great uh, great uh, saddlebag. They're not expensive. You can buy them at almost any bicycle shop or online retailer uh, for bicycle equipment, and I think you'll really like it. Now we're gonna have a breakaway here from the norm, and I've uh, pre-recorded here a special interview. And we're going to hear that right now, and then afterwards, we'll get into food talk. Well, my guest today is Steve Mitchell. He's the mountain bike director for the Permian Basin Bicycle Association. Welcome to the show, Steve. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Glad to be here. Glad you invited me over. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of folks think about mountain biking, and immediately they come up with this image of a mud-splattered young rider flying over impossible obstacles or racing down this near vertical descent. <laughs> is that really what mountain biking is all about? Well, you know, that's the glamorous part of it. That's what uh, the kids like to see. That's what usually gets on the airwaves. But in reality, uh, there's, there's riding for everybody. There's beginner rides, intermediate, and then there's the more advanced technical rides. Really, riders of pretty much all ages, once they can ride a bicycle, uh, and uh, all the way up to we have riders as old as 75 years old out there riding. So, yeah, it's really for all ages and all levels of all skill levels. 
how would you classify? Uh, I know being out here on the Permian Basin, there's pretty much one place to go, and that's the Odessa Mountain Bike Bike Park. Would you classify that more as like cross country style riding, right? Yeah, absolutely. That is cross country style riding. Uh, we don't have a lot of topography out here, so you know the train the terrain is limited. Basically, it's a single track trail, and it's not. Um, the majority of it's not real technical, meaning, you know, not lots of, uh, of big drops, big climbs. And so, yeah, that would be a cross country type ride versus a free ride or an enduro ride. Uh, I know for me, uh, I've done the beginner route a couple of times out there and I, I ventured into the intermediate section a little bit, uh, the last time I was out there and I came across some drops that were a little intimidating. I, uh, I actually found a couple I turned around on, yeah. <laughs> felt a little uncomfortable. The, the steepness was followed by an immediate sharp turn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, the, the green trail is our, uh, we've got it painted green. That's the beginner trail. Mm-hmm. We actually painted it the same color scheme as a ski area. So green uh-huh. is beginner. Blue is intermediate and black is the advanced. And then we actually have some red out there that's, you know, that's big drops and I avoid only the expert. I mean, I would tell only the experts to do that. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, the blue is, the blue trails are in that area where you're going to run into to obstacles that might be a little tough. And I just recommend you get off your bike and walk that until you're comfortable with it. I see. So how easy is it for someone to, uh, if they're thinking about getting into this sport, again, we said it was really for all ages. How easy is it for them to get into it? What what do they want to do? Well, um, mountain biking does require a specific kind of bicycle. Basically, it's a wider tire. Most of the new bikes have suspension, meaning a front shock, a front fork, and a rear shock. Although that's not necessary, you can definitely ride with a what they call hardtail, which is just a front fork or a rigid bike, which is you know no suspension, but that will beat you up a little bit. The rocks and the and the bumps, and eventually that will kind of wear you out. You know, an entry level bike is going to cost you between three hundred to five hundred dollars if you buy new, but you can always find a used bike, maybe you know one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars, and and you can always borrow a bike. And that's maybe the best thing to do is borrow a bike from a friend, uh, make sure the bike fits you mm-hmm. and uh, go out there and, and ride the beginner trail and see if you like it. That's probably the best way to get into the sport. So maybe I went about it the wrong way because I went out and bought a mountain bike and then <laughs> and it was during it was during when the weather was really bad. So I didn't even get to ride it for two weeks. It sat in the garage. And so but I got to take it out and and I went out there on my own. I mean, I didn't have anybody with me at all. And I just said, well, I'm going to go ride the beginner trail and see how it is and just did it. Yeah. And do you consider so, yourself hooked now? I, well, yeah, I am because, well, and you know, I've been, I, and you, I told you this before, but I've been a road biker for at least two years, if not longer, maybe three now. And it, it's a different, I mean, you can compare it or contrast it, I guess, with, with road cycling, road cycling. And I've said this before in previous shows where most of your work's from the hips down, but in mountain biking, you're getting a lot of upper body and I'm feeling that when I'm out there. Yeah, it's definitely a full core workout because you're manipulating the bike and you're manipulating your body around obstacles. And so, yeah, you're definitely working your entire body. You know, I I personally find it a lot more interesting than road biking just because of because of that added element of of the obstacles and the corners and the dirt and the gravel and so for me and plus it's uh it's a great sport you can throw your bike in the in the back of your truck and go hit a new trail every time you go to another town and yeah. so it's fun yeah it, well it was for me i 
One thing that I found after about my second or third time out there was uh, increasing my time, getting more comfortable with the, with the turns on the berms and, and, and a little more comfortable with some of the drops and making them a little bit faster each time. So. Right. Yeah. That's just familiarity. And there's a lot of obstacles that we built out there that, that initially we wrote it four or five times and it used to scare us. And now we just go right over it and, and don't think twice. And yeah. and then there's actually still a few obstacles out there that, that make me nervous every time I do it. <laughs> and you've been doing this a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we built the track about three years ago and we've continued to improve it. Added a lot of berms and bridges and uh, it's, it's a unique part park for Midland Odessa. It's uh, basically two two big uh, caliche pits that they're re- rather old. They're probably 30 to 50 years old. And so there's quite a bit of vegetation down in the bottom of the pits. And of course, uh, it's kind of got a little, kind of a unique microclimate down in the bottom. There's a lot of trees and grass and, and it's nice down there. Well, so this is, this is flat West Texas out here. And this is one of the few places where people can go within a pretty good radius to really enjoy this sport. Yes, that's, I mean, that's an accurate statement. Now, you know, about four or five years ago, up till about four or five years ago, we all used to go to no trees and ride. Okay. And they end up put, putting some windmills out there and closed the riding area. And, and so for a couple of years, we had to go all the way to San Angelo. That was the closest uh-huh. place to ride. And it is a good riding area. And at that point, I went out and bought a road bike because it was just too far to... Yeah, Justify, mountain bike. Right? Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, so then we got these two pits, and some uh, people worked really hard to acquire that for us. I know I don't know everybody's name. I know David Hammett, Peyton's worked pretty hard, and a uh, few other uh, few other people were instrumental. I wish I could. I knew their names. I don't know right offhand. But it is a city was. of Odessa that that provides the property, and then as is that right? Is it city of Odessa property, and then it's the club, the the Premium Basin Club that actually maintains it. That's that correct. Right? Yeah, it's actually a uh, city of Odessa property. We basically have a lease from the city of Odessa and and they really just give us the land and we're just required to keep liability insurance. So so that's why we have the signs for helmets and and we have some, you know, there are some rules for riding out there, basically basic safety rules, you know, and and don't ride when it's muddy cuz it damages the trails, but yeah. uh, the really the only requirement is wear a helmet. Right. Well, and be a member be, too. And be a member, <laughs> be a PBBA member and be considerate of others out there. So, well, and you know, you talked about mud. Um, I had, I think the second time I went out there, I encountered uh, some puddles and I had to pick up my bike and carry them to the next part of the trail where it was dry. So uh, I can understand that because if, if it's squishy there, it's just going to create ruts. And when that stuff dries out, it is terrible to try to ride over. Right. It, those, it creates tracks and then those tracks grab your tire and, and can be a little challenging, especially for the beginner riders. And we tend to have, after it rains, we tend to have a few mud holes out there. We don't want to close the park because of a few mud holes. Right. So we just ask people to, you know, as you said, pick up your bike or ride around the mud hole, but don't ride through the mud because yeah. it, it damages the trail. I see. So just use your best judgment on that. Correct. So what kind of opportunities are there for newbies who want to get into mountain biking here in the Permian Basin? What can you suggest for someone here that may be just getting started? Someone like me, who's only been out there. Yes, I would say probably the best, the best way to get out there is there's a lot of people riding on Saturdays and Sundays, usually between about noon and 6 p.m. And if you know somebody that has a mountain bike that you could borrow, that would be your best opportunity. The other option is I know that Peyton's bikes in Midland actually 
has some demo bikes and they encourage people to come try the demo bikes because they they want to they want to get you interested in the sport and they hope you come back and buy a bicycle right. so so uh, I'm not trying to plug for Peyton's. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure there's other bike shops will you know would consider doing the same thing, but right. but I know that they do offer that. Mm-hmm. Well, so what kind of events can we be looking forward to out here in West Texas? Well, we are trying to have a few more events. Um, we are trying to. We actually have a pavilion that we built out there at the uh, bike park, and that's a great meeting spot for the entire PBBA. We're actually going to have a bike race on March 21st, a Saturday. Uh, the race starts at 10 a.m. We're going to have three divisions. It will be a, uh, you know, we'll have a beginner, intermediate, and advanced class. The beginner will be about three and a half miles. The intermediate will be about six and a half to seven miles. And the advanced is a 10-mile loop. And we're going to have, we're going to um, serve cheeseburgers and drinks and have a nice little get-together afterwards. And I encourage everybody to come out there and try it. The beginner loop's very easy. You know, if you basically, if you can ride a bike, you can, pretty much ride the beginner trail it's not that it's not that difficult um i see guys out there with their sons uh six seven year old sons out there riding so so that's one event that we've got coming up we don't you know mountain biking is not as much of a group sport as road riding although people generally are very friendly and are are encouraging others to ride and and uh, are always willing to give pointers and tips and show you where the trail is and and uh, generally on saturday afternoons around one or two o'clock there'll be a quite a group of riders out there and if someone's a beginner and would like some help uh there's almost always someone willing to help Uh, you could certainly contact the pbba if you would like to meet someone out there and and have someone show you the trails okay and i might mention too that uh that for anyone out here in West Texas, that the Permian Basin Bicycle Association has uh, both a website at pbbatx.com, and they also have a Facebook group called Friends of the Permian Basin Bicycle Association, where there's a lot of current information. And if someone wanted to post in that that Facebook group asking for help, that I'm sure they would get a, a call out from there. Well, the last thing I want to ask you about is uh, for new riders, what kind of safety tips can you you give for someone who's going to be out there on a mountain bike? Sure. Well, first and foremost, invest in a helmet. You know, there are rocks out there and some of the corners have loose debris on that. So that's probably the most treacherous part of the trail is going around a corner, hitting some loose debris, not being balanced properly, and you may fall down and, and scrape a leg or an arm. So definitely wear a helmet. Second of all, I think wearing gloves are important. Uh, they'll, they'll, They'll pad the bumps. Uh, you won't get the blisters. And if you fall, you've got gloves on. A lot of people like to wear elbow guards as well. Knee guards are a little bit cumbersome when you're pedaling, but some people wear those as well. The other thing I would recommend is that when you come up on an obstacle you're not sure of, slow down or stop and walk past it until you get more and more comfortable on the bike and then you're willing to try that. Uh, the other thing you could do is is if there's an obstacle that that is intimidating, take pause, take a look at it and then try riding over it and and if it's and if that feels good, then maybe go back and do it three or four times till you're very comfortable with it and then you've you've learned some skills. Well, thank you very much for that information. My guest has been Steve Mitchell. He's the mountain bike director for the Permian Basin Bicycle Association. Steve, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. It was enjoyable and I hope to see more and more riders out there. It's been been incredible. We've gone from having four or five riders to might see as many as 70 or 80 riders out there on a Saturday, you know, over the 
the entire day. And it's becoming more and more popular. And there's lots of young people and old people and everything in between. We'd like to get a few more female riders out there. It's, mm-hmm. it's Right now, it's dominantly, a, it's about 90% guys out there riding, mm-hmm. but we're starting to see a few more a few more women out there riding. So, so you hear that, girls? Get get out your mountain bikes. Go join your boyfriends and husbands out there and, and let's... Uh, Let's change those uh, ratios. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Thanks again, Steve. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it, Matt. It sure was nice having Steve Mitchell on the show this week. He's very knowledgeable about bicycling in general, but he is really knowledgeable about mountain biking. So it's great to have him uh, on the show and and have him talk about uh, mountain biking out here in West Texas. Uh, So, and of course, if you're not in West Texas, if you're just... Uh, you know, in another area where maybe mountain biking is way more exciting, maybe you're in Utah, or maybe you're in an area where you think it's just not exciting at all, and you've got something really flat. You know, maybe you're in parts of Oklahoma or Kansas where there's just nothing at all. Still, take advantage of getting outdoors and getting on your bike, uh, and and just you know enjoy the outdoors. I think you're going to love it regardless. Now let's talk about a little food talk for this week. Now, one of the things that I've been taking uh, every day for at least two years uh, is beetroot. And I'm not a big fan of beets, as in the fresh uh, food beets. Uh, I don't like them. I don't like their flavor. Um, It's something I've just never really enjoyed. However, I know the nutritional benefit of this particular plant. And so, The beet uh, is really starting to gain popularity as a sort of a superfood, if you want to classify that. And and it it may be a little bit of hype. Um, A lot of the foods out there are considered superfoods just because of the fact that they have a a low uh, calorie count or maybe they possess a a high uh, uh, rate of antioxidants in them. And beetroot and beets, the the juice from beets, Allegedly, they can improve athletic performance, they can lower blood pressure, and increase blood flow. Now, there are a lot of new products that are incorporating this in their juices and drinks, uh, but these beets, uh, sometimes they're called table beets, they come from the same family as sugar beets. And uh, I'm pulling this from an article on Medical News Today, which asked, what are the health benefits of beetroot. Now, you know, they use it in the manufacturing of certain types of sugar. Um, but normal beetroot, you you don't extract sugar from that, uh, from, from common beetroot. So get this in a cup of raw beets, you have 58 calories, 13 grams of carbs, which breaks down into nine sugars and four fibers and two grams of protein. It provides you only about 1% of vitamin A and 2% of calcium, but it does give you 11% vitamin C and 6% of iron. Uh, It's also a rich source of folate, manganese. Uh, It has thiamine, riboflavin, B6, uh, a plethora of other uh, vitamins and minerals in there. But here's the thing. Beets are high in dietary nitrate, which is believed to be the reason why many of the potential health benefits of beetroot are being studied. Now, let me kind of highlight some of the big bullet points that they had in this article. The possible health benefits are that 
uh, it, it's how much I'm trying to put it the right way here, but they've studies in, uh, indicate that increased consumption of plant foods like beetroot decreases the risk of obesity and overall mortality, diabetes, heart disease, and promotes healthy complexion and hair, increased energy, overall lower weight. Now you can say that for just about anything out there that's been classified as a superfood. So I'm, I'm not going to hype this up from that perspective. I am going to tell you what has been said from an athletic point of view about beetroot. Now, I buy beetroot in the concentrated capsule form, uh, and the only place I've been able to find it is Puritan's Pride. Now, there may be other dealers. I've gone into GNC, I've gone into Vitamin World, and none of them have beetroot concentrate in a capsule form. Again, I'm a guy who doesn't like beets, but I want to get the benefit of taking beetroot. Now, allegedly, from what I hear from just uh, other articles on on exercise and athletic performance when taking beetroot, uh, is that it does improve muscle oxygenation during exercise and can literally reduce the amount of oxygen needed to perform the same level of exercise with those, those particular muscles when you're taking beetroot. Now, here's the paragraph. I want, I'm going to read this word for word from, from the Medical News Daily here. Beetroot juice supplementation has been shown to improve muscle oxygenation during exercise, suggesting that increased dietary nitrate intake has the potential to enhance exercise tolerance during long-term endurance exercise. Quality of life for those with cardiovascular, respiratory, or metabolic diseases who find the activities of daily living physically difficult because of lack of oxygenation could be improved. Beetroot juice improved performance by 2.8% or 11 seconds in 4-kilometer bicycle time trial and 2.7% or or 45 seconds in a 16.1-kilometer time trial. That's kind of a big deal. If this, these studies have any ring of truth to them at all, uh, 2.8%, 2.7%, that's a, that's a big boost in a, a long tour. Uh, if, or if you're in a sprint, that can mean a significant uh, increase uh, over the competition if you're competing or if you're just maybe to improve yourself. Um, that's, that's an incredible, incredible difference there. So something to think about. Um, the beetroot, uh, if you like it, the juice, buy the juice and drink it. If you like the beets themselves, you're going to need to consume quite a bit in order to see the benefits. But the concentrate, to me, is the best way to go. Now, one more thing that concluded the article was some potential health risks of consuming beetroot. Now, everything has its risks, especially if you're not consuming it in moderation. But here's the thing you might want to be concerned about. It says if it's improperly stored, Nitrate-containing vegetable juices may accumulate bacteria that will convert nitrate into nitrite. And, of course, that contaminates the juice, and high levels of nitrite can be potentially harmful if consumed. See, if you have a high nitrate diet, nitrate diet, not nitrite, it can also interact with certain medications such as organic nitrate, nitroglycerin, or nitrite drugs used for uh, angina, uh, sildenafil citrate, tadalafil, and verdenafil. 
So uh, that is one side effect that you really, if you're taking these drugs for heart condition, you may want to stay away from beetroot. Uh, beetroot juice uh, in particular uh, may cause red urine or stools uh, when drinking it. So you want to be careful there. Just want to make sure that it's part of an overall good pattern of eating that, that makes you makes you healthy. Uh, don't, and if you're having heart conditions and you're taking these different kinds of medications, you might want to stay away from the beetroot, uh, this go around. Anyway, that's it for this week's show. I, I hope that, uh, that you gained some good information out of this. Uh, I would love for you to, to join me again next week for another episode. Uh, I'll bring back my way in again. We'll see if we've, uh, turned the, the dial back or not, or if we're still kind of gaining muscle mass and, uh, and hopefully have some great ride stats for you. Uh, the weather's looking good this week and uh, planning on getting outdoors a whole lot more. So thank you very much for listening this week. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, don't forget that uh, the website is getoffthecouchnow.net. Uh, please go visit that. And for a couple of different reasons. One is that there are sponsors there that you can visit uh, and get some great deals. Jensen. Uh, USA being one of them, uh, please visit the link there uh, for Jensen. I think you'll love the products that they have to offer. There's also nettrition.com. Uh, click on that link there and and check them out because I think you're going to like uh, many of the things that they sell too. Uh, the last thing I want to mention here is that if you really enjoy this program and you want to support it in some way uh, and you're not interested in buying from any of these folks online, I do have, I run another show called Voices of Texas, and I have a Patreon account set up there. It's patreon.com slash Voices of Texas, patreon.com slash Voices of Texas. And you can go in there and you can donate uh, to both shows that way and support the making of these podcasts. So I'm real excited to, to have that. And of course, if you want to talk to me, the website is the best way to do it. There is uh, the voice message button there you can do. There's also tweeting. Don't forget, uh, tweet at get off couch or use hashtag GOTC, and I will pick that up. And uh, I'd be glad to read your comments or even hear your voice right here on the show. Thanks for coming with me this week on this journey uh, toward weight loss and fitness through cycling. We'll see you next time. 